0: Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing you to a recent conversation I had with Andre Trudulo, a passionate educator and father. He's a visual arts teacher and a pastoral care coordinator with a demonstrated history of student-centered education. We talked about so many things in our conversation, including the importance of pastoral care, the transformative impact of arts education, and the impact that teachers had on his life. It was a joy to speak with him, and I hope that you get as much out of this wide-ranging conversation as I did. Please enjoy. Andre, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Where are you phoning in from?
1: I am phoning in from uh Sutherland Shire, south of Sydney, in a suburb called Engadine.
0: Engadeen, Engadreen. We used to live there. That. It's a beautiful yeah. part of the world.
1: Uh, only a few well, people uh... know what where it is, and it's normally affiliated with our friend SCOMO
0: yeah we uh uh, we lived in engadine for many years uh we currently live in in sutherland so just down the road i can probably uh i probably see engadine out of my window yeah (laughs) Uh, so look it's a it's a great part of the world how long have you been a resident of the shire for
1: uh for most part of my life actually so um were were you born
0: here were you did you yeah
1: yeah look um i'm a proud byproduct of um two migrant uh, parents I suppose probably the best way to put it so mum came from Chile um nice. yeah probably in the I think it was the early 70s um when she was 18 and then dad came over when he was about eight years old um, on that white Australia policy um back in the early wow. 60s from Spain so they went straight to Wollongong they gave him a house um you know a job for my grandfather and my grandmother as well and they thought, how good is this? You know, the, the the country of the lucky few. So um, I'm very uh, mindful of how I fit into the picture and, you know, where my, my yeah. family fits into Australia. And um, I'm quite grateful for living in, in the Shire and growing up in the Shire. Um, I started yeah. off in um, Bankstown, Punch Bowl, and went to school at Kinsgrove. Um, and yeah, nice. Cathedral in the city uh, for my senior years. And then, um, yeah, always been floating around through the Shire and travel the world nice. as I got older. So, but, um, yeah, Menai, Lucas Heights, Cronulla, and then now yeah. England.
0: Nice. And do you think um, that my, my parents or my dad, um, my mum still lives in the UK, but we, we moved here as well in ninety seven. I granted it was, it was from an English-speaking country, so we didn't have that kind of hurdle to, to overcome. But... Um, how did, do you think that has sort of, how do you think that's impacted you coming from a, uh, I imagine your parents, uh, did they speak fluent English when they came to Australia or?
1: No, uh, my father didn't speak a word of English at all. Nice. Uh, and it's only recently he's been, he's just retired, he's 72, 73. And oh, wow. he told me a story I'd never heard before. You know, you think you've heard all the stories. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying that, Um, I remember, coming on a plane and it had little pictures of you know Aboriginal people with spears on the wow. landing on the decor of the plane and allow oh, any thought to himself that if there's people there with spears hunting food then there must be an abundance worth of food and resources so um I just think that's a good story that resonates with I suppose the the uh the amount of plentiful i suppose opportunities that we have in australia and i think that's where mum and dad have instilled that into i suppose our work ethic my brother and i just yeah. the two of us and um you know we've had They came with nothing they couldn't speak a word of english they wow. struggled to find jobs you know they, yeah there was a little bit of racism here and there but nothing Gosh. as traumatic that's probably happening in the world um, at the moment um but you know they they fought hard for what they have and um you know they always taught us you know to appreciate and work hard and effort and then the rewards will come
0: yeah and um you you've sort of pilot part, partially um answered this but what are you most grateful for um from your parents and how do you think that has um impacted uh yourself as a dad And you mentioned uh before we hit record that you've got two girls that you just put them to bed
1: That's a tough one i, I always thought yeah my wife i told this story to my wife that I'd never be a dad I never wanted a family and uh, Uh I was probably in the back of being immature and young and traveling and you know never thought I'd marry and settle down and I'm 43 so we had our children a little bit later in life um got married later in life so mum and dad um plenty of love to give You know, it was always a house full full of love we always thought that we weren't poor but we weren't rich and we always made do with what we had and that included you know like cleaning and helping each other out to you know making sure no, nothing goes to waste that's um yeah. where i think that mentality of um, i think well i know my dad was quite poor and they came off the back of the spanish civil war and that's why they looking yeah. to australia to for a better life and in chile they had the dictatorship of pinochet so yeah. um so they're both coming from two kind of civil war and torn you know post World war ii and you know just looking for a better life so I really try to dictate, and I suppose great. in the household of my girls, I even mean, though they're, they're young, they're three and five, they're very similar to your girls. Um, just want yeah. to appreciate what they have. And sometimes, it, you know, if they look around, we're in a nice, beautiful two-bedroom apartment in Engadine, and, you know, they've got the Christmas tree up, we put on the weekend, and, you know, they, uh, they know, I suppose, the, the struggles, yeah, yeah, you know, they don't see, I suppose, the other side. But, you know, that that passion and dedication and hard work, that that's definitely got yeah. got from my parents.
0: And what um, what was your parents' view on education um, coming to Australia? I mean, Australia is obviously a country where um, where there is a really strong uh, public education, a lot of pride in, in in education that's accessible to everyone. Obviously, there is the option of of going private as well. But um, what were your parents' views on education, and do you think that has um, kind of influenced you yourself going into education?
1: it's mm, a really good question mate it's tough because um my parents went to my mother came over when she was 18 so she went straight to TAFE and she I suppose kind of broke the mold for women in business so she became an accountant wow. so back then I suppose I know it was yeah, wow. taboo yeah she was probably one of the only uh, women in doing you know I was good at maths and you know they were trying to break just the stereotypes there but um yeah um and then so education was important for her because it gave her an opportunity to work in something that she that she enjoyed um but then dad when he came over when he was eight didn't speak a word of english and went straight to the you know Wollongong high i believe or thereabouts public state school and um you know he had a rough trot there well i said that he experienced a little bit of racism but i'm not saying it's because of Wollongong or whatever it is in the yeah. high school and the public system is just a uh, coincidence of, you know, not speaking the language and you know, struggling to fit in and not being able to communicate. Um but what was always strong in the undertone with both sides of the family, um, with Latinos in, in Spanish, we're quite religious. Um, so that's where the Catholic education played a big part. um Even though they both didn't get the Catholic education, but their beliefs and their traditions and where they've come from being Catholic yeah. is um, really important. So they wanted to give us more of an opportunity than what they had. So they put us into um the local primary Catholic school. Actually, I'll lie. I, I was yeah. in the Bankstown South Public School until um, about Year One, and then um, we, moved, yeah, we moved. Yeah, we moved to. Bethesda. I know that school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was like K to two, I think, and it's kind of tiny little school near right next to a main road yeah Um, and my grandpa lived not far from there so that it kind of fit at the time and then um they said look we think we need to instill some some of those catholic values and traditions so uh, they put me into regina uh charlie and Bentley hills um, on the top of the hill there uh for pretty much the interesting yeah to year four year five and they dictated through the secondary um dallas kinsgrove which doesn't exist anymore, and um, and then my senior years in the city, uh, year eleven to twelve. Uh, but that's a funny story because my parents wanted to separate me from my friends in high school. But maybe another time <laughs> That's something we don't have to share. Wow, that, that,
0: that's <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's really uh, interesting, Andres. And I, and I, just um, to probably the most important question that I haven't asked you is what's your coffee order? Oh
1: yes, of course, uh, small double shot flat white.
0: Nice one the uh, coffee scene in engadine is definitely up and coming i mean grind really helps uh, yeah. but um there are uh, a couple of good a uh, couple of good, couple of good coffee shops in engadine and um I, I was just wondering as well um is there a book that you have read recently it could be within your sphere of expertise and education or it could be much more broadly um mm. that's caused you to um kind of stop and reconsider a few things in your life
1: I'm going to go back to um, the C word, the naughty C word, COVID, um, where the books, it was more the people, and you've had um, one of them, I believe, uh, which is the Game Changers, Adriano and um, and and Phil, they, back yep. in COVID, um, I know everybody's in lockdown, and we couldn't do much, and I was um, working in a boarding school in Central Queensland, up at Rockhampton Grammar, and I know it's a long way to answer the question where I was reading, getting to a book, but I really found that COVID helped me a lot through having more time. So, where I had the opportunity to not only reach out and connect through LinkedIn and whatnot, but there was, you know, those podcasts that they had, the Game Changers podcast, which eventually led to me reaching out and connecting with them. And they were outstanding and taught me a lot really um, through that time period. And um, obviously, which then into their book, the Game Changers book. Um, so it's really provided a lot of direction, and purpose on my, uh, I suppose, my life and and my balance between life, work, and my family. And um, I'm trying to, I'm not quite there yet. I'd love to be an AP at some point. Um, you know, at the moment, a uh, what we call a year coordinator. I'm looking after year nine um in an all boys Catholic school and um game changes has really helped where in the direction where I'm starting to look and expand my my expertise you know in linking pastoral care with the curriculum and that you know just trying to diversify Mm. myself a little bit there so I don't know if that's yeah so
0: yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah the work that um Dr Phil's doing in Adriana is um is really groundbreaking and not only is their podcast um, one of my favourite things to listen to, um, also their research and their work, game changers is um, is really transformative. And have you had a chance to to reach out and thank them uh, for the work that they've done?
1: Yeah, look, I've just when Melbourne opened up in that small window, um, I think it was like term yeah. three in twenty twenty one, I believe. Just before Dan Andrew's locked it down for the second or third time. Um, they invited me yeah. down to the Wellness by Design conference down at um St. Catharines yeah. in Swirack. And I flew down and, and I attended their their workshop, and and that's what gave me that the tools and to equip and empower and enable yeah. and teachers to really link character uh apprenticeships and models and explicit learning teaching, yeah. everything kind of all models yeah. to one and I went to thank him um, I, and I have got my my wife's families down in Melbourne and the amount of times I've gone down to say yes let's catch up and there's always been an issue with you know I, we had a funeral something. you know something you know kids were sick and then that something happened with Adrienne or something happened with Phil and we I've thanked them like uh, so many times online and I've thanked them uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> phone calls and zooms but never face to face I still want to like you want to buy one more coffee and you know lunch maybe one day and nice yeah really they've been really interesting nice. to my uh my, well they are
0: um uh, they, they are just wonderful people and i think um I, I was so um there's been a few guests that i've asked on that i've kind of really pinched myself that they said yes and they were both <laughs> they were two of those guests you know and, and i was so grateful that they would take the time to to have a chat to some guy sitting in Sutherland um, okay. about education, so I'm incredibly grateful. And I think um, that really says a lot. I think about the generosity of our profession, doesn't it? Because whether you're in public or private or independent, um, I-, I love that there is the sharing of expertise across networks. And one of the the many reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was to speak to people like yourself that are not within my system, mm-hmm. so that we can actually learn from each other. Um, I just want to take you back a little bit though. Um, uh, can you for those people that are not aware, and I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, but can you just give us a brief uh, sort of history of your career and education? Um, how did you uh, get to where you are today? Um, yeah, give us a bit of a, a framework of what the last 10 or 15 years have looked like for you in terms of education.
1: No, um, my, my story education becoming a teacher is very similar to yours where i had a a brilliant art teacher in year five to year ten mr davis and which i have seen him since he's now a a professional artist and thanked him profusely and um i wanted to (laughs) i never wanted to be a teacher um i'll I'll start with that i did really poorly in high school i was only really good at art which got me into university and um it took me about 10 years before i became a teacher at 30. Um, I was one of those boys that was totally disengaged with learning, um, found it irrelevant and yeah, just not, not worthwhile going to and my parents really struggled with me, hence why they tried to separate me from my friends in year 11 and 12. And then um, I became a teacher and out of um, coincidence or I don't know, serendipity, what do you want to call it, that um, the global financial crisis hit in 2007 and I was doing a business degree and I couldn't get a job anywhere. And uh, one of my best mates, um, his wife, who's an Italian teacher, head of department at was at the time, said, you'd be a really good teacher. You should retrain and become an art teacher. And I said, oh, well, why not? Turn in an extra year and if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to business and you know, do marketing. And um, yeah, yeah, that was 2008, gradu- oh, 2009, graduated in 2010 and been teaching ever since 2010. So I'm a visual arts religion teacher and I've been a year or pastoral coordinator ever since my second year of teaching. So I've almost been uh, looking after young men, mainly, and all boys have taught at a couple of co-ed schools. And I really find that um, working with disengaged young men uh, or students uh, to be my passion and trying to re-engage them and give them opportunities. Around their learning that they don't see and working with them and their families to bring them yeah. to achieve their best.
0: That's great. And there's there's so much in that. Um, and there's almost sort of a I guess a podcast, another podcast in that, some of those points that you made. But I, I just wanted to touch on um uh, you mentioned Mr. Davis. Um mm. what was it that made him stand out from the other educators that you had um why do you remember him and not some of your other teachers
1: and, and, and for him he he was just cool it's <laughs> probably the best way to put it uh he wasn't like the other educators he was uh down to earth easy to talk to he'd listen to you um he was passionate about his subject he um provided a, a classroom and environment for you to just be yourself and you could just listen to music and he'll play if you had the guitar playing while well, you taught you and give you lots of feedback. And um it was just nice and relaxed and calm. And you know, obviously it helps that you had a good relationship with him, but he knew he had a good relationship with everybody. And it wasn't just with the art students. He had his hand in the musical department. He was in the drama department, he was set designing and working with the girls' school next door and uh, he just did it did everything and I was just like amazed that yeah. he could put it all in so he was yeah I, I try to model a lot of my yeah. my pedagogy off him
0: so how, how did you um how did you feel when you're in his classroom I know we're getting like down to the the granular here but what was what did it feel like in this class
1: for me it was just pure joy and happiness and no no boredom for me and um I feel like i could talk to him about anything uh, that. A, that that trust you know it, that's integral thing for any relationship not just for teaching but yeah. it, it, it was authentic you knew you could just have a conversation and you knew everything about you He knew that you're gonna i was a baseballer in my juniors i thought i was gonna play professional baseball and do art on the side and you know he always had a bit of a joke about that and you know plus he taught you along the way so it's was, it was very gentle and yeah just a really decent human being
0: yeah that that that's really lovely and i think it just goes to um just to highlight the immense privilege and also the, the incredible power i think that teachers have over the lives of young people which is um something which is incredibly uh incredibly precious and it, it's funny um the amount of people that i've spoken to that um who are really really um well established and really successful uh, in the field of education that never thought they would be a teacher until they had a teacher that changed their lives like it's it's kind of some of these big names in education that you think oh you must have all, always knew that you were going to become a teacher and it was really not um and I think it just goes to show like I said the power of the the influence that teachers have on our lives and um do you remember uh, what Mr. Davis taught you or do you remember more how you felt in this class? Because I've been thinking about this a lot and, and I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I had the privilege of interviewing a teacher that really changed my life, a lady called Mrs. Taylor-Jones, um, and um, I, I feel like I tell the story most episodes so I won't go into it, but I have no idea what this lady taught me. Um, I, I, I now teach the age that I was when I was in her class. So I assume there was a bit of angles, a bit of length, <laughs> heaps of sentences, a little bit of maths because <laughs> I know the content. Um, yeah. But I have no idea. I don't remember what she taught me, but I remember every time going into her classroom, how I felt. And I thought, it's funny, I thought I was special because I was the only one that felt like that. But there is this Facebook group. I I went to school in this wonderful area in England, a school called Long Road Primary School. And there is a Facebook page dedicated to this teacher and all of the students that have been in her class for the last 10, 20 years. And they all say the same thing, that they felt like they were the most important person in the room. And I wasn't. She did this for everyone. So how did you, do you remember what Mr. Davis taught you? Or was it more of this feeling of you felt safe and you felt heard?
1: I, I, it's a it's a little bit of both was, since i was so passionate about art and you know it's a, an elective subject so you're a little bit older i i think it was a bit of both you know like if i was always i always remember i was always in awe looking at how he used to be able to draw things and just make it look easy you know like and, and i think his personality just just drew you in so I think it was easy to engage, but it's definitely, I think it's more of a feeling. I agree with you. I think it's, I, I don't remember him teaching me anything. It was just definitely loving, caring, calm presence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, you're right there. That's the first time I've really thought yeah. about it. I've heard that story on your podcast many times and I was just going, I'm ready for this question. And then I was like, hold on, I'm not. No, yeah. definitely
0: not. It's it, it, it's really, um, it, it, and this is why like I, this is why I've called this podcast. That to be perfectly honest, mate, I didn't. I I, I recorded six episodes two years ago because I heard that podcasts only last six episodes, and I wanted to be stubborn and I recorded it in one go, and I I never thought it would go anywhere. But the reason why I called it the art of teaching is to is to. <laughs> Is to celebrate that 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 craft of teachers and what they do, and I have the privilege of working with some amazing educators. And be, when I'm in their rooms, I just get sucked into this world where anything is possible and where the sky's the limit. And I see the the, the respectfully the chaos and the questions and how unravelled it can be. But I just uh, I, I I'm in awe of how teachers create these spaces to. Um, uh, uh, to really drive student learning. And and you mentioned that you um, are now involved in um, pastoral care. Mm. And um, what do you think, and predominantly you work with with young men, I know you've worked in some co-ed schools, but what do you think, um, what makes pastoral care for young men particularly unique? And what do you think young men need specifically in terms of education? I mean, you're a a male role you're a male role model and teacher in a predominantly female industry so what do you think is that you bring that's particularly unique to that space and what do what do you think young men need
1: yeah it it's big question. yeah it's a good big big question um what what I found has worked well for me is very much like I was saying that what worked with Mr Davis and having that that trust trust is the first thing and then having those building on those relationships and then having those high expectations where you build that consistency and that presence throughout on the playground in the classroom you know at sport and you, you're the same person for me in in and out of the classroom you know what you see is what you get you know I'm not going to go you know be super strict and be you know I'm a teacher now you can't talk to me and that's it too bad you see me on the street after school no no I'll I'll still have a conversation with them and be consistent all the way through whether I'm at school and obviously there's still the the manners and the the respect that comes through with that but you treat I'm a big believer you treat the boys with respect they're going to give you respect back
0: yeah yeah and have you seen um Obviously, COVID. Um, it, it seems like it seems like years ago, but it was many, many years ago. It was only uh, two, two or three years ago. Um, how has that sort of changed the game in terms of um, in terms of well being? What do you think that has sort of brought to the service in terms of the the needs of young people from a pastoral care point of view?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the parents need of at the moment and it could be indicative of where i am at the moment at the school that i'm currently teaching i'm not sure what i can't speak on the rest of sydney and you know what the show is like but i i've noticed a rise in um in broken homes and i feel like parents need as much support and guidance um as, as their sons do or as, as you know their students do so the out of COVID you know I don't know if that's because of COVID I can't give you that that information I'm not privy to that data but uh, I'd love to see if there's a connection between the two and a lot of the disorganization and you know the the poor habits have kind of come out of COVID we're still seeing um you know the lack of motivation and um this engagement with their learning and it's kind of like oh, i just want to be on the screen yeah. and, and and any excuse to be on their yeah. devices at the moment and we're trying to break that habit and it doesn't help that textbooks on their devices mm. at the moment that, that that's killing yeah. that's a killer thing at the, with all with us at the moment
0: yeah yeah absolutely i i think that's so true and um i think what a privileged position that you're in to be able to um provide that pastoral care to young people um i think it's a It's a huge privilege, um, and really, really important. Um, So how do you, um, how do you switch off? Because this job is pretty, uh, it's pretty 24 seven, you know, and like I said, you've got two young girls, um, you've got a wife. uh, And there's a lot of things happening outside of the school day for you. So how do you switch off? And do you feel like you've, you've got that balance, right?
1: My wife's not listening at the moment, but I'll probably say that uh, I definitely don't have the balance right. Um, I think I'm better at it this year than I was last year uh, or in previous years and doing the role for a while now. And um, I've really made a point of making sure that I'm not on my laptop responding to emails. Um, You know, once the girls have gone to sleep, I'm trying to make a conscious effort to, to have that time you know, now normally between you know eight and ten with my wife or we try and talk and look she's she's busy in herself she's doing a part-time uh, master's in speech pathology and you know and working part-time and raising two kids at the same time so we're both time poor and we're just trying to work as a team um which you know as you know being married with family and kids and in the 24-hour teaching gig and partial care if you know had taken calls from the police or you know from senior leadership team trying to figure out um how to best care for certain students sometimes it does extend beyond your the the eight till three or 3 30. um you know i can tell you many times i've spoken i used to be a boarding house master i'd be on the phone till midnight sometimes or one 25. o'clock in the morning yeah so you know that loco parentis and even more recently, with um, you know, boys running away from home, and then you know, I I didn't have to take the phone call, phone call, or the email from that particular set of parents, um, but I did, because I care, and that's part of our profession. I think that our vocation for we we all care. You don't have to be a pastoral leader, you don't have to be senior leadership. I think all teachers care. They generally care about all the students under their care, you know, in their classroom, and want to see them succeed. And if anything happens. Okay on the time frame you'll be putting your hand up to help them out
0: yeah it, it's a different kettle of fish though isn't it if you're um at a school that has boarding capabilities because mm. I can um not that I do switch off but I don't think I've ever got a phone call um after hours um, and, but if you're responsible for someone's little ones
1: mm.
0: uh, as a boarding house master or as a pastoral care representative, that is a whole nother level of twenty four seven. How do you make sure that that doesn't um affect you? because I'm sure you would be a lot more involved in the family lives of some of our children than I would be. Um, so how do you make sure that you look after yourself, you look after your own spirit, you look after your own, um, needs and to make sure that you can be the best you can be for your for your students how on earth do you do that because that's tricky yeah,
1: it is tricky I, I, i'm not perfect at it um i never realized i was that bad at it to be honest um until I, I started being mentored by adriano de prado um he said you have to and you have to it's not just a goal you have to make that time it is You've got your professional goals and you've got your personal goals and part of your personal goals and it has to be your well-being and has to you have to dedicate. Don't just put it on the board and forget about it. You have to dedicate that time one or two times and you've got to stick to it. I try um, to play baseball um, still. I'm a, a bit of a has-been, you know, wannabe um, in the area and the Shire with a whole bunch of has-beens. And, yeah. We get together on Sunday afternoon, and we all complain about our knees, our shoulders, and and then we pl- try and play, you know, two and a half hours worth of baseball against you know eighteen year old young men that are fast and fit and strong, and we still manage to win somehow. I Don't know how that happens, but we yeah. go alright. Um, if I don't have that, it was um, me trying to, you know, I used to box, I used to hit the bag, I used to have a heavy bag, not in the apartment anymore, but um, I used to go and do some boxing, which was a great physical outlet. Um, and i tend to do that through school so a lot of the schools i've been privileged to work at and work with the students that i used to run the boxing program three mornings a week so you'd be hitting the pads or hitting the pads with other teachers and get a good sweat before the morning um, or in the afternoon um you know coaching rugby playing touch with the boys that sort of thing and that's my if i can get a physical outlet at least two or three times a week i'm, I'm pretty good normally
0: is there an area uh, in your life that you feel like you are currently uh, under investing in yeah uh oh it's the hard-hitting questions tonight (laughs) mate
1: (laughs) I I don't think I'm always as present as I should be with my kids I I find that it's tricky isn't it yeah it is I feel like I'm always too tired um and they always want to play games and you know the young kids better than I do that they want your attention all the time you know and I, I don't think I always give it to them authentically i tend to want yeah. to just sit on the couch and i feel asleep on the couch this afternoon because you know they're watching i can't remember animals from the outback on netflix and i only woke up as my eldest was like what are you doing i was like what, what what happened what happened i didn't know i was asleep and but i yeah. i feel like i need to do that that's probably the most uninvested time is family time i don't appreciate it. i always feel guilty when i put them to sleep and going oh why was I?" i got cranky at him tonight for not going to sleep quick enough and they're f- arguing and tossing and turning f- because they share a bedroom together and uh you know children I love them it's but it, it, it being a father I think is the hardest job I've ever had it's not a job but it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do I've, quite yeah
0: far. yeah oh I, absolutely and and I remember um I was teaching kindergarten during the first wave of COVID. I remember uh, sitting uh, in the bathroom, the toilet seat was down, uh, but sitting on the toilet trying to phone parents and talk to them about this amazing opportunity that we have to connect with our children now and we'll never get it get it again, all the while screaming at my own children for making too much noise because I was on the phone. And the, the irony of that is, uh still astounds me. But it is, it is really difficult. And I think that... Um, uh, uh, for us, it took a little bit longer to have children, and so um, I think there's that. Um, for me, it's that extra level of appreciation that this is this time is really precious. Um, and but still, I mean, ten minutes ago before we hit record in my in, in my place, it was just chaos. You know, we we're just having a go. And as you saw, one of my little kids came in and wanted another cuddle. And I think I find that difficult sometimes to draw that line and say, you know what. Because I guess I spend so much time with other people's kids that sometimes it's a bit difficult, you know, when you're kind of talking about your own. Um, but how do you think being a... and we're getting really philosophical. We've gone off script a little bit, but how do you think being a um, a, a parent has um, has changed you?
1: Yeah, I I take my hats off to my parents. That's for sure. Um, but I, I always. I'm a little bit more empathetic towards, especially colleagues. I never used to be as much because I was single for a long time teaching and always found it strange when they say, go, I've got to take a day off to go and look after my kids and be like, yeah, sure. I know you're taking a day off because you just want to, you know, a sanity day or whatever it is. And I'll tell and you. Yourself,
0: I'm at I'm... home with your kids is worse than going to work because it's so <laughs> hard. <laughs> like, it's just... yeah, like, why would you, why would you do that when you could just come and like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Exactly right, mate. And that's what I did today. I was just like, oh, you know, i got to go take the dentist specialist, take both of them. And one had a fever, so I couldn't take that one. I had to drop it off to my mother-in-law, God bless her, and squeeze it all in, cook dinner, get ready, and then put them to sleep. And God bless my wife, looking after him right now. So it's, it is it is all systems go. It's
0: a partnership. It really is. Um, it is. On your, um, on your Twitter profile, you've got a quote that says, we teach who we are. Why is that uh what does that mean and why is that so significant to you? I mean, of all the quotes you could have put on your uh Twitter profile, why that one? That one. or sorry, like, your LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, my LinkedIn, yeah. And that was um on the back of attending the um Adriana De Prado and Dr. Phil Cummins' presentation at Wellness by Design in Melbourne. They um they that research um that quote resonated with me through I think the way I present myself, and the way I teach, and connect with my students, um, and the way that my Mr. Davis in you know Year Five to Year Ten art connected with me, you know, you're not only teaching content, you're not teaching art and skills and techniques and skills and competencies. You're teaching the type of person that that you look up to in your role models and um Mr Davis was that for me so he taught me yeah. how to be a good person in the classroom because I was pretty cheeky it was very naughty I misbehaved in a lot of classrooms and um yeah so that for me it was like okay that's given me a sentence um that I can embody and then I know it's given me uh, a direction where I can go well you know what this is why I teach the way I yeah. teach this is, this is who I am and as I was saying before who I am in the classroom as a year coordinator as a parent um at school I'm the same person across the board
0: yeah I think that's really important to have that integrity and to have that consistency and Andre I was just wondering why why visual arts like what is it about visual arts that um that engaged and otherwise disengaged young person, um, and and what do you hope um, for your students as art students?
1: Just to see the world in a different way, um, yeah. to have that freedom to express yeah. yourself, and for me, I, I, you know, I love my parents dearly, but you know I felt like I didn't, I couldn't express myself and communicate freely at home because it was pretty strict. So in the classroom or in that through art I could draw whatever I want I could paint whatever I want and having these artists they've done it beforehand and gone through their their life and their their story and you find out that mm. there's other context behind those paintings and drawings that they they were doing so um yeah so that was that, exactly for me
0: yeah do you, you think that um I, I mean you mentioned some of the turmoil um in Chile and I know uh, uh one of um my fondest memories was going on holiday there with my wife, um, and seeing, walking through the streets of Santiago, and and going to Pablo Neruda's house, and and seeing all these wonderful sights, and seeing we, we had the privilege of going to um, uh, a uh, a number of art galleries, and also a a dance performance, and it right. was really. Meaningful and to see what the um this beautiful country has been through, and how art and and culture and dance and drama was this way of expressing something that had been oppressed Mm. brutally for so long was really um was really quite emotional. Do you do you feel like that um your history of that wonderful country has um has given you a new appreciation of? of art and of expression? And is it something which you kind of, I mean, we take it for granted, don't we, that we can just say what we think in living in Engadine and living in Sutherland, but that's really, it's really not the case for many places in the world, is it?
1: No, I, I agree with you then. Um, it's funny because, you know, my dad was a real estate agent, mum was an accountant, and um, I'm just trying to think back through the family, there's hardly anybody that is really into the creative arts in any shape, way or form. So, but I I remember my grandfather, my mother's father, and he always used to tell me that you have to be free. You have to live your life. You have to do it your way. Don't let anybody else dictate anything else. So, and maybe that was how I interpreted his comments to me. And he's like, and we both, we shared the same birthday. So we're both the 7th of January. And it was always like Capricorns, you know, we've got to do it our way. We do it to anybody. And and then my my mom would get frustrated with him and tell him off. But then I rebel against her, and yeah. but um, maybe that's where my rebellious streak comes from in my creativeness. Um, but you know, I don't. I still take it for granted. I don't draw and paint as much as I should. I should. I only do it in class, and um, yeah. And that's another thing. I'm under investing. I'd love to keep painting and drawing. But I just don't have the time to do it.
0: So, um, any uh, any dad advice for raising? Uh, strong independent girls. I mean I've got uh two very different girls. Uh one is um just incredibly creative, really quite I think sensitive is the wrong word, but really um she feels things deeply, my little one. And then I've got another one who is just an absolute whirlwind. Uh but I think it's a it's a real privilege to have strong independent girls in the family. And if you've got any um Any advice to me as a dad to try and continue to to channel that?
1: I was I was hoping you're going to share some advice then (laughs) Uh, um, from a a primary uh, perspective. Uh, Look, I I don't know. I I try, like I said, just trying to be present. Uh, That's the biggest thing for me. Um, Like they they always want to draw with me because they know I can draw, so that's where I can engage both of them at the same time um trying to work with their passions you know the youngest one is a whirlwind like yours probably um and she, i i think she's going to be a professional rugby player or a cage fighter i'm not sure yet uh and the oldest one is the more sensitive um that. super uh yeah aliana's the, the 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 eldest one she's super intelligent she blows my mind how she's counting in filipino um spanish italian You know writing a name and I was just like how can you do this as a five-year-old is this normal I don't understand and and she'd be doing mathematics now and obviously you know credit to the educators the early educators down the road and I'm just amazed how they do it and I don't give her enough credit I need to acknowledge that I think the little ones need as just as much credit as what I think adults do probably if not more
0: so Andre you um you said you're aspiring to to move into a leadership position I would argue that you are that leadership is influence and you are already influencing the lives of countless young people but uh that's um we won't get stuck on that but how do you um why is it that you want to move into more of a leadership role and um how do you sort of perceive leadership now and has that changed at all it's a good question
1: because
0: is... I feel like this is an interview it's not an interview yeah, it feels like <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I've had a few interviews this year um
0: yeah why like w- w- what is it that has sort of drawn you towards that direction
1: I think the um working on a larger scale I feel like I'm ready to take that next step I'm mm. definitely not I don't think I could emotionally do the pastoral care forever um because it's so draining and the empathy you you give to those families and students under your care it, it does wear thin after a little while and um so I think I'm ready to take that next step up and try and and link some of that that well being and with the curriculum that it can be better I think I've seen it I've seen it work I can see it working on a larger scale and I think what, some schools can be a little bit rigid and stuck in the tradition and they're not open to Taking that next step, they still want to stick with working in silos or or working within systems and um, not willing to branch out and take risks. And um, currently trying to work on introducing the micro credentials in stage five. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and then, and just trying to just trying to give options and and really listen to that student voice and agency that I think that we forget that they have you know like all students have and. Trying to get feedback from them to, to realize, and you know, there are things that they can learn and in, in apply in real life, and it's beyond the classroom because they, a lot of them still don't realize that they can't, you know, the mathematics that they're using in year nine, year 10 applies, you know, beyond school. They just like said, so this pointless, or what's a point yeah. of you know, and I have a lot of those conversations, and that's when the poor behavior, you know, comes out. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Like I'm aware we've just spent the last sort of 20 minutes talking about balance and it's 8.30 on a, um, it's 8.30 midweek. uh, And uh, you've got a sick kid and your wife's holding up the fort. So uh, I promise I will be um, respectful of your time, but you mentioned as well that you are um, a religious education teacher. Um, So, why is that so significant to you and I'm sure that you'd have students in your care that are are on all different continuums in terms of their religious understanding and religious beliefs and I'm sure that there will be people that are listening to this podcast that are people of faith and also people that are not um but why do you think um that is such an important aspect um in your repertoire of teaching
1: yeah well for for me obviously it links back to my family heritage uh I've noticed what like you were saying, then then the head before a lot of the students that we're getting um are non uh, denominational. You know, a lot of um parents are willing to yeah. start sending them to Catholic schools. Um, because you know, the the school, the local public school closest to us is you know, it's like two and a half thousand students and their capacity and obviously we're looking at a business model there, but you know, like they're still choosing to send to us first rather than the local public school. So a lot of that comes down to for me um in that first role model of jesus Christ. so um you know having the the faith love service element and having those Mm -hmm. values enacted through you know the head the heart and the hands as we talk about in 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 a catholic school so engaging the the heart finding their passions you know working with the hands serving the poor and you know and obviously the academics Mm -hmm. um using your head so um really love that really strong push towards that service or faith in action so what does it look yeah. like in a contemporary world you know uh we don't get to get out and serve the community uh, and that, that's for teachers as well i really get it love getting involved and in, like most teacher, teachers do and not just a standard fundraiser let's get out in the community let's serve the uh, homeless going to the city let's make jumpers or repair stuff go and work at the salvos down the road or you uh, can raise the money then we've gone on um, Immersions overseas, where you know, I was quite thankful uh, to go to Nepal three times, and we got to rebuild a primary school there, and which unfortunately got destroyed by earthquake and fires, and then we got to rebuild it again, and um, all those opportunities come through, I, I believe, well, in our values yeah. and the Catholic tradition. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's really important, and. Um, Obviously, it's different. I mean, I work for the, um, I very proudly work for the Department of Education, and there's there's an element of that which we we don't really discuss. So I can completely understand why. So it's really refreshing, I think, to meet our colleagues that um, that 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 do get to work in that space as well. I think it's really wonderful. Um, and um, Andre, I just want to be, um, like I said, respectful of your time. So just a, just a couple of kind of rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe not rapid fire. Maybe I might edit that bit out. So just just a couple, <laughs> uh, a couple uh, of more questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. What's something that excites you about education looking forward?
1: There's some really innovative people leading the charge. I'm not just talking about the game changers. I'm talking about um say uh was it John Paul the 23rd out at um St Hope Gardens or Blacktown Way um there's a head of school there her name's Christina Luzzi. Uh, somebody you probably should uh, speak to um they're really yeah. paving a path to teach and engage and um use student voice and agency um within the school community and to drive change and um subjects and you know not just micro credentialing all the way through to year 12 and you know external pathways and partnerships um so i think there's a real paradigm shift happening slowly but it you know it, it is happening within the school communities matt esterman's another one out at lmc Parramatta, um another one worth talking to um and
0: uh, he's um he's actually on next week which should be he he had a a, a transformative impact in my life with um teach meets yes yes um many, many years ago um but yeah like he's he's really phenomenal um yeah sorry to to cut you off but it's no, really no. wonderful to see that there there's just so many people doing amazing things and i think we all um it, it's like i said it's incredible to get to speak to people from all different sectors because i truly believe that the the best knowledge is out there we just need to set up these networks to be able to collaborate and share and um um just a final question um if i was sitting down with you um i was about to step into the classroom for the first time i've got my teaching number um i've got a coffee in hand um what advice what short piece of advice would you give me to um, sustain me for a rich and exciting career in education
1: be yourself be yourself outline your expectations and remain consistent and don't forget we've all been there from the beginning. We all struggle at first and communicate, ask, don't be afraid to ask. Don't to think you have to have all the answers and don't be vulnerable in front of the boys sometimes. I was I'm talking about boys in a boys high school context, but um sometimes it's good for them to see you vulnerable as well.
0: Yeah. Andre, it's been a um, a real privilege to to get to connect and to have this discussion with you today. And my hope is that there would be teachers all over the world that would hear this um, and would really get something out of our conversation. So I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, please pass on my um, gratitude to your wife for holding the fort down. Um, and I, uh, I hope your little one starts to feel better soon, but it was a, a real privilege, a real joy to speak to you. Thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it, mate, Anytime. I uh, look forward to having that coffee down the road one day.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. It's a privilege to get to share these conversations with you and continue to invest into our incredible profession. If you have a few moments, please do me a favour and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify or through whichever platform you're listening to today. Also, please hit the subscribe button and share it with your networks as it really helps to get the word out to as many teachers as possible. Also in the episode notes are links to resources and podcast show notes and other ways to connect. Thank you again for taking the time to listen today. It truly means the world.